Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. We are talking today about the power of grief, and our guest is going to be Alice Whistler, founder of Daniel's House Publications. But before we introduce Alice, we are going to speak with Lena Golimski, who is our second-place poetry winner, and she wrote the the poem, From the Ashes of Grief. Welcome, Lena. Thank you. Hi, welcome to the show. Now, Lena, before you read your, well, we want to thank you and everybody out there for the poetry contest. We got such a great response this year, and we're looking forward to doing it again next year, so we hope people are writing away. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and about writing the poem? Um, well, I've been a teacher for 30 years in one district, and I wrote the poem because my only child was killed three years ago. In July, and the grief journey is a difficult one, and writing my poetry helps get the grief out, and it helps other people, other moms who have lost children as well. And what your, was your child's name, and how old? And she, uh, Her name was Alicia. Uh-huh. She was 26. She was working on her Ph.D. in mathematics. She was a year and a half away, and she was a scratch golfer, and just a wonderful woman. Uh, and, and how did she die? Uh, she was hiking out in Colorado, and a uh, kid had climbed up onto a waterfall and accidentally killed, uh, kicked some rocks off the edge, and they hit her in the head and killed her instantly. Oh, my uh, goodness. Accident. I'm so sorry. So sorry about that. She sounds yeah. like an amazing, amazing woman. She was amazing. She packed everything into her life. Yeah. Uh, far more than other people live. It sounds like it. Wow. She's a happy, happy girl. Yeah. Well, what do you teach? Uh, I teach calculus. Oh, wow. Cool. Now we see where your daughter got her mathematical ability. <laughs> she was a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> and you teach it at what level? Uh, it's a college level, but I teach it in the high school. Oh, that's Very great. Good. One of those AP classes, huh? Right. Wow. Impressive. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being on the show, and uh, let's hear uh, From the Ashes of Grief. Well, thank you for having me. From the Ashes of Grief. In the early morning fog of a spring day, The sunlight drifts slowly across the lake, lifting the dark shadows of night. The honking geese frolic in the early morning rays of sunshine, while the birds sing of promises yet to come. Mm -hmm. Through the dark clouds of grief, slivers of sunlight filter down. The pain and fear residing in my heart is starting to give way to the hope of finding joy once again in my life. The warmth of the sun flows through my body, and I now feel and see flickers of that joy. It is but a fleeting moment in my thoughts, but it fills me with the hope of perhaps finding peace once again. The pain, the forever tears cleanse my heart and my pain. They pave the way for love and laughter once again in my life. My heart will forever be empty from the loss of my precious child. But the sparkling sunlight spreads light around that hole in my heart. Gentle healing is beginning, springing anew from the ashes of grief. Sorry. (laughs) It's hard to read. 
and, and that's it. Thank you so much. That's beautiful, and what a tribute to Alicia. I agree with you. That was beautiful, Lena. And if, if our listeners would like a copy of that, um, just log on to the grief blog, and it's on our homepage. That was beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, and take care of yourself, and have a great day, and what a tribute you are to your daughter. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, well, Heidi, that was uh, pretty amazing. Uh, these these poems are so heartfelt. I know our judges, um, one of uh, one of our judges, Diane Hoke, made the comment, she's not a bereaved parent, and she said these, these poems are so incredibly heart-rendering and touch her so deeply so we can imagine how it is for you folks out there like us who who have had a recent loss it's a it's an amazing thing and, and absolutely and there's something about reading something out loud a poem to an audience that just makes your loss so real over and over again Absolutely. Well, again, thank you all for your interest in the poetry contest. And again, hopefully you're, you're writing your poetry there and, and letting others benefit from the wonderful uh, things and memories of your children. Well, Heidi, would you like to introduce our guest today? Sure, I'd love to. As I said previously, our guest is Alice Whistler, and our topic is the power of grief. After the cancer death of her four-year-old son, Daniel, Alice Whistler founded Daniel's House Publications, and independently published two cookbooks in memory of children. She wanted her books to provide opportunities for bereaved parents to share their children. Her recent novel, Rain Song, has sold over 25,500 copies. Welcome to the show, Alice. Thank you. Hi, Alice. It's great to have you on the show. Wow, that was quite a heart-rendering poem, wasn't it? It was. It was. And I think what um, Heidi just said about reading it aloud is so true one thing when you write something, but then when you read it aloud, um, makes it more real, and you can't deny the fact that your child's gone, and you are just bereaved and so full of loss and missing them. There's so much emotion, mm-hmm. but I congratulate her, and I'm so happy she is a second-place winner. Yes, and you know, it's, it's so interesting uh, when people... Uh, do come on and read this. It takes a lot of courage to do that. It's hard to be on the show, period, for people. In fact, Chris, our um, director of development that was on, called me this morning and said, this is really weird. I'm really nervous about being on. And, you know, it's uh, so, uh, wow. It's it's amazing when people um, are willing well, to take those kinds also, of Also, for, for me, I can do something at home, and I don't know if this is your experience, but I can practice at home, and I'm fine. There's something about people bearing witness to our loss and and stating it out loud for other people to hear, that is very emotional. It is. Yeah, it's an, it's an amazing thing. And, and that's part of, it's such an honor, isn't it, Heidi, to be on this show and to have people come on and talk about their losses. It's Absolutely. And I think the more that we can tell our stories and, and have other people bear witness to our stories, the more it helps us to heal. Well, uh, Alice, I wanted to talk a little bit about your journey and, and talk a little bit about your four-year-old son, uh, Daniel's death of uh, cancer. Was that a long-term process? And I know for a lot of our audience out there, um, you know, they've had the long-term illnesses or sometimes short. Yes. Daniel was our second child. He was three when we noticed that there was something in his neck. And actually... The doctors thought it might be cat scratch fever. So we were asking him, you know, did a cat scratch you? And we don't have any cats, but his grandparents at the time did. 
And he said, no. When we were visiting them, did they? Did you get a cat scratch? No, no. Well, they were sending the um, results to test up to the, down to, I guess, to Atlanta, to the Center of Disease Control. And right before the results even came back to us, a doctor called me. And it was right around this time. Um, so Memorial Day is hard for many reasons. And how many years has it been? It's been 12 years. Twelve years, 13 since Daniel was diagnosed in 1996, mm-hmm. and then he had eight months of intense chemo and chemo at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, a wonderful hospital, wonderful oncology team, and just great nurses that Daniel considered to be his best friends, and he loved to make them laugh. I think he was a pretty good patient in the hospital. I like to think I was a good Mom, but I think now I know so much more. I probably wouldn't have been as easygoing. Mm-hmm. Looking back, um, he had chemo and radiation eight months. And That's rough. It was. It was. But um, he was so cute the way he was able to explain his his catheter, you know, Broviac tube, which the doctor put in his back because he didn't want it to rip out, so he put it so Daniel couldn't reach it. And um, he would, you know, had a lot of energy and... We saw that energy leave, though, and that was sad, and the light really went out of his blue eyes, the more and more uh, chemo and radiation that he had. He had neuroblastoma, and it was a tumor in the left side of his neck wrapped around his vagus nerve, mm-hmm. and um, then he um, got a staph infection, Oh! and he coded, and um, he died in the same hospital. Um, first, he was on life support. He was brain dead. They took him off life support, and he lived for a week. Now, that's a hard decision, isn't it? We have people talk to us about that. Very know. difficult decision. Mm-hmm. I made them do two EEGs to make sure that his brain was really gone. Um, and that was a moment um, that was very, very devastating uh, to think that my smart little boy, he was four at the time mm-hmm. when he died, um, that he was not able to, you know, his brain was not able to function. And the cancer, they said, in the autopsy was pretty much gone. Of course, you don't know about that because it can always be some little hidden cells. Um, so the treatment had cure, cured the cancer but had killed the child. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, it's, it's just unbelievable that a healthy three-year-old at the prime of his life, I mean, he's healthy, he's young, gets cancer, and eight months later dies. Yes. I mean, I know it happens every day, but, I mean, to our audience, and yet it's still unbelievable that it does happen. It is. It is. And I think that's the thing that um, parents who have children who, I know for a fact for cancer death, and I'm assuming for parents who have children that have other diseases, um, long-term illnesses, first is um, the first death, sort of, so to speak, although I use that term lightly because it's not, death in the sense of their, their heart stopping and they're, they're no longer present here, um, the first kind of quote-unquote death is when you are told about the diagnosis mm. and then you know your life will not be the same after that. You're now going to have to go through the hospital treatments, the hospital stays, ours were a week every month, um, the medications and everything else involved in caring for the child. And you know the child in your life is not going to be quote-unquote normal mm-hmm. like it once was and then then there after that is the death and of course she would give anything to go back to that abnormal hospitalization state 
when at least you had your child to take care of. And then you look at all the empty, um, you know, his empty room. You look at all the medications you still have that were supposed to be for him, and he's not there anymore. And um, it's just very, very lonely and very hollow. And then, of course, the relationship that you have built with the oncologist and the nurses and hospital team, you, you were friends with them. But now the reason for your being friends with them is gone, and your child is gone. And um, I think some parents continue on with the friendships that they've developed because of their children. And, you know, I think the medical team often comes to the funeral service. And Alice, do you want to tell us what your website is? Yes, www.alice, my first name, A-L-I-C-E, Whistler, W-I-S-L-E-R, dot com. So and Alice, Alice really is, com. Alice is a great blogger, so, um, and you can also go to, um, uh, Heidi, I want to say contacts, but what are our writers under, not contacts? Contributing authors. Okay, yeah, contributing authors, and you can go there and find Alice and hit on that, and that will also take you to her her websites. Well, Alice, when we went to break, we were talking to those people who just tuned in about uh, your son Daniel and how he had a neuroblastoma in his neck and and eventually died of a staph infection, and you had to make the decision to remove him from um, artificial support which is always a tough decision we know for you folks out there. And also, when we went to break, we were a little bit on an issue that I know a lot of folks have emailed us about it and discussed about it when they've had a family member, particularly a child, in the hospital. And uh, Daniel was in for how long, Alice? About eight months. And so you get very involved with that community, and they're supporting you. And uh, for some people, Alice was saying, uh, staff might come to the funeral, but oftentimes they don't come to the funeral. You know, uh, people have told us they've been disappointed with the staff and all that kind of thing, and it's hard. I mean, uh, we were saying during break, there's no money for follow-up care, is there, Alice? There's not. And, um, yeah, we had a great team of um, people there, but I feel like the, the grief support, and maybe it's better now. This was 12 years ago when Daniel died in February of 1997. But the grief support for those who have had long-term illness in their family is not there in the hospitals. Um, I think they're hopefully doing a better job in many hospitals. But I did ask the social worker, you know, what am I going to do as, as Daniel lay in his comatose state there um, for about a week after we took him off life support? And um, she had to kind of, you know, um, spend some time looking up some resources. And then luckily one of the resources she did give me for bereavement and loss of child was the Compassionate Friends. Mm -hmm. So after Daniel died, I plugged right in. And that was amazing. So hopefully people are finding this with the Internet now. Um, yes. You know, but but still we wish that there was some after after care support more than there is now. I think I think people in this field are, are wishing that there could be some funds for that, uh, for people to do that. But anyway, Al, so you went on and, um, well, let me ask you just one quick thing for, for our audience out there. What advice would you have for somebody who's feeling disappointed about the staff that they haven't followed up? <laughs> oh, that's, that's difficult. It really is. Uh, they're human. Try not to hold too many grudges with against them, although that's hard to do when you're raw and aching and your guts feel like they've been, you know, 
thrown out onto the floor. But I think that um, just try to find maybe someone else um, that you can talk to. I think a seasoned griever, if you can, or mentor to, to help you along and help you realize you will get through that and get through the, the pain and frustration that you have that people are not there for you and are disappointing you. I think there's a lot of disagree- disagreement and disappointment when we are newly bereaved. We expect more of our fellow people, and we're often disappointed. But I think if we can somehow, um, through our, our yearning for our children and our tears, look to find that silver lining, that one person, um, that one clergy person, family member, it may be someone that you um, are kind of surprised at, someone that will come to you and help you and listen to you. And um, just lean on that person, and um, you know, hopefully soon you can um, be a little stronger as each day passes. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Now, talk a little bit about your cookbooks and, and how you went on to do that. And I know you also teach a course on writing the heartache, right? That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, so talk a little bit what you've gone on to do with this. What about the cookbooks? Why did you do a cookbook? And you've got... You started Daniel's House Publications, so tell us about that. Right. Daniel's House Publications um, has been instrumental in me getting to meet a lot of people all over the world who have lost a child or a sibling, and it was a website. Um, people could read articles. There were links to resources. This was back in 1998, so the Internet was a little newer than it is now. And through um, the organization, I also had a grief called Tributes that went out to about a 1,000 people for a course of six years. And um, I just posted that I wanted to let people have the opportunity to share their children with me and their siblings. And so Compassionate Friends and other grief organizations sent out um, or the shout-out for recipes and memories. Two things that I wanted. I wanted people to send me a favorite recipe of their child who died or sibling who had died and a memory associated with it. Mm, and the recipes and memories came in. So my first book that I compiled was Slices of Sunlight, and that came out in 2000. And then in 2003, I decided um, to put together another book called Down the Cereal Aisle. And I love the title of that because... I like that, too. Yeah, I was actually in a conference. Um, It might have been in Utah at a Compassionate Friends conference there in Salt Lake. I was there. Okay, were you? Oh, we were there. And uh, I think then is when I was sitting in, and I can't remember whose workshop it was, but somebody stood up and said how difficult the cereal aisle was to go down after the death of a child. Mm -hmm. And the people I was sitting next to, I just kind of um, jabbed them and said... Down the cereal aisle. That would be a good name for a book. And so there you are. I love it. Yes. That's, that is a great name because there's, we've talked before about this. It's so hard for parents to purchase. You know, food brings up so many issues and so many loss issues for parents. I mean, being in the grocery store and seeing all the food that your kids loved. Yes, it's difficult. If people have, you know, accounts in Down the Cereal Aisle have shown that, um, People have sometimes just been reduced to tears and had to leave the grocery store. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very powerful, and I think that um, 
some of the recipes in here, the children were older and they were great gourmet cooks. And some of the recipes, the children were very, very small. The only thing that I um, have a hard time with the book is it doesn't isn't able to incorporate everyone because we know that there were small, young children, infants, um, those who were born, stillborn, and those who did never get a chance to, to eat anything other than drink milk. And there are no recipes for those in there, um, and that's, that's a little sad. So how many recipes did you get? Well, let's see. I think I got about um, maybe 60 or so, 70 for the first book and about the same for the second. The second one also has a section on writing because that's been so therapeutic to me. So I have um, a section on how to write, 26 steps for writing the heartache, you know, everything from getting a journal, write freely and honestly, um, don't think that someone's going to grade your penmanship. Don't worry about grammar. Try not to feel like you're in your eighth grade English class. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like for you, writing and journaling and just letting it out and being honest and raw with your words was really healing. Yes, and then when people would say, your articles or your e-zine or your books have helped me, I would be a little surprised because it was helping me so much mm-hmm. that I, I had a hard time believing that something I did was actually reaching other people and being meaningful to them. So then you published these yourself? Is that what you did? Yes. Under Daniel's House Publications, I did. You know, So that was farming out the, um, a printer and getting someone to design the covers. And I did that, and I had quite a market for them and selling them and, and on various um, TV shows and radio programs to market them. Uh-huh. Met a lot of wonderful people through the whole process, but deep down, my desire, of course, was to um, have someone else do the the bulk of the the financing. So and, and also, kind of switching courses, I, I really wanted to write fiction. I always had enjoyed that since I was little. So um, I kind of took a, a change there, and even though I still write a lot of like self help articles, and I'm very interested in helping people learn how to self-publish. I have a, um, a course that I teach called Self-Publishing for the Brave. Now, where do you teach that? I teach it at various um, um, seminars mm-hmm. and then um, do a lot of um, just helping people online. I love that, about. Self-Publishing for the Brave. How do, how do I get a hold of you if I've got a book in my heart and head? How do you get a hold of me? Yep. If I'm can, here, I am. I've got okay. a book in my you can, heart. You can email me at info at alicewhistler.com, and I will be glad to send you um, some tips, some resources, and, and just kind of guide you and help you along. And Maybe that's one of the articles we should have you write for us is a, a short one on that and how people can get a hold of you or something. Okay. Writing. That would be great. That sounds good. Yeah. So tell us now, you, you've written Rain Song. Yes, well, that was that was with Bethany House. That was actually going through an agent, um, getting an agent to represent me, and then having the agent um, submit um, my book to a publishing house, Bethany House, which is located up in Minnesota, and they bought two books. This was in 2006 that I finished um, my first book, and then in 2007, uh, my agent said that Bethany House is interested in a two-book deal. So Rain Song came out in 2008. I had to wait a bit. 
And then this spring, 2009, my second book, How Sweet It Is. And both of them take place in North Carolina, which I've grown to call home, even though I grew up overseas in Japan. And the first one has a Japan connection and North Carolina. And the second one has a Georgia, North Carolina, and kind of Europe connection. Now, but, is there any grief and loss in that? Well, yes. of course. So there's yes. grief and loss in every and every yes, book. Yes, so right. That is so true. I think that... Um, <laughs> As I state that I'm, you know, always going to be incorporating grief and loss in the fiction because it's such a reality of living, I realize that that's not hard to do because grief and loss go together. Mm-hmm. Grief, loss, and living. It's, that's right. That's right. And I think we so often want to deny it and pretend it doesn't happen. It happens to other people. And um, it's really all around us. I think it's so much more just... Um, releasing it's so much more therapeutic to just realize that it does happen. So in the first book, uh, the main character doesn't ever remember her mother because her mother died at a young age. That's in Rain Sun. Mm-hmm. And the second book, there's uh, um, one character who has lost his, his girlfriend and then the grandfather has died and because of his death, the main character gets to go um, inherit his cabin up in the mountains of North Carolina. And those children in How Sweet It Is, they've been through a lot of loss because many of them are disadvantaged children. So they have a lot of their own issues, emotional and physical um, scars. I wanted to talk to you about what do you think uh, grief has done for you as far as, you know, people feel so debilitated about it. What have you found in it to to give hope to people? Well, I think um, doing something for others is always helpful, and along with that, I think doing something in memory or as a tribute to your loved one who died is very important. I think if you can incorporate both of those into your daily, your weekly life, I think that um, helps a lot and produces a lot of healing and growth for you. Those that we find in meetings or at seminars or um when I'm teaching, like, the Writing the Heartache workshop, and they're just centered around themselves or don't realize that other people are suffering, too, and other people have had just as great a loss. I think those are the ones that might be kind of stuck or not receive all that they can or give all that they can because they're too focused and self-absorbed. So if you can, you know, realize it's, it's not always all about you, although it's important to have people you can talk to about your child and let it be about that child. Um, if you can do things you know, in your child's memory to help yourself as well as helping others, I think that's key there. Now, did you find that you'd lost some fear after Daniel died? Yes, lots of fear. Not not fearful of dying at all. Just and, and of putting yourself out in writing. Did you true. did your writing change? True. Because when you, as writers, authors know, you put yourself out there and, you know, people, especially nowadays with the Internet, they they can criticize, they can review, um, they can say a lot of good and a lot of bad, too. So it's really exposing a lot of yourself out there through your writing. And um, But I feel like, yes, I've gotten bolder in that. I think one of my good friends will say, you know, the worst has already happened to you, Alice. She also lost a child, and she'll say the worst has already happened to you, to us. And so really, what is there to fear? And I think about that sometimes when I am kind of getting caught up in a little bit of fear, thinking, that's right. 
and what if people don't like me? And you know, right. I, I mean, people criticize the music we have on the show. In fact, somebody did this morning, and I'm like, you know what? If I put something else on, somebody else won't like it. That's true. You can't yeah, how about you, Heidi? As a sibling, did you, have you lost some fear from odd, or is it made a change for you at Scottsdale? Oh, it's changed. It changes my life. It changes my life every day in profound ways. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, when you've had, when someone that you've loved so much dies, you all of a sudden feel like the, the depths of feeling. I mean, you have such a depth about you because you felt true pain and you felt true loss and you felt true sadness. Um, so you've got, you're, you're a very cha- changed person. And um, I think there's a depth. I think there's an empathy that comes along with loss. I think there's there's a lot of post-traumatic growth we've talked about. I think there's a maturity. I think I value and appreciate things so much in life. And, you know, I really value my, my family because I know that people in life can die. So it, it totally changes the way I look at the world. Absolutely. Yeah, so, Alice, I wanted to say uh, before we close this show, what you've done, uh, your website, please go to Alice's website and take a look at it, Alice Whistler, and uh, it's W-I-S-L-E-R. You can Google it. Um, Alice has done some great things. She, I love her blogging. It's great. She keeps it up to date. Um, and how would people get your books, Alice? They can get them by going to my website because there are links there um, to – there's one – through Bethany House, which is my publisher. There's also, um, you can get my books from Amazon.com. Um, local Barnes & Noble bookstore should have them. If not, people need to tell them to get them. And, um, yeah, there's lots of different places, um, independent bookstores. I know the local ones here have them. Sometimes you have to ask them to order them. But they should be in all the bookstores' databases. And uh, how about the cookbooks? Are they, the cookbooks, you can, you can write to me. Um, at the, actually, on the first page of my website is my address. And today I was thinking, since um, people have been so kind to listen to me, if they would like um, either one of the cookbooks that usually sell for eleven ninety nine and twelve ninety nine, I wanted to send them to them just for postage and at the cost of a mailer. So if you say, you know, when you write, um, to me at info at alicewhistler.com and say, I, I heard you on um, the show today and I would like your book. Just You can send me $4 and I will be glad to send you either slices of sunlight or down the cereal aisle. And also I have one more thing I wanted to mention that I think has been helpful. I um, created remembrance cards or empathy cards because that's another whole topic, you know, going to the store and trying to find a good sympathy card to send to someone mm-hmm. when they've had a child die. Or, as we know, it's not just at the funeral or right around the time of death that you need a card to send. It's the year anniversary or the birthday oh, yeah. or what a special great day. Or just, I'm thinking of you. So I have two cards, and they're also on my um, website, alicewhistler.com. If you click on the Remembrance Cards link, you will see them, and you can order them um, through PayPal, too. And they just have little verses that I created on the front, and then there's a blank space on the back so that you can pen your own sentiment. That's great. Wow, Alice. That's really nice of you and generous of you to say, people out there that are listening, you can get a free cookbook, right? Yes. That's what I'm hearing. Yes, that's right. That's great. Well, thank listen, you. Alice, thank you so much for being on the show. It's uh, time for us to close now. Do you have any 
just last quick comment you want to make before we for those folks out I, there? I just think about those who are newly bereaved and how agonizing it is. No one wants to go back to those horrible days. And um, I think that um, you know, if you can get into a group, a bereaved group that's healthy, um, has some friends, family members, don't hang around those who, who bring you down or who don't understand your grief. Get with people who I think are really supportive, whether you find them you know, in your church or school or neighborhood. That, I think, is key because you want to surround yourself around people that will help you in your healing and help you heal in a healthy way. Oh, thank you, Alice, for being on the show. Well, thank it's been you wonderful so much. Thanks, well, Alice. Thank you. It's time to close our show, and I want to thank our guest, Alice Whistler. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.